Hi. Hi. <laughs> Long time no see. Yeah. Anyway, shall we talk about this episode? I love this episode. It's so good. Oh my God. I want to welcome everybody to this episode of Squintcast. My name is Kelly. And I'm Brittany. And today we are going to be talking about, I think, my favorite episode of this season so far. It's Bones Season 3, Episode 6. The Intern in the incinerator this director is by far like top three of all the series so far we have our dude craig who did the aliens and spaceship guy and then we have the other canadian guy who did uh, man and a bear and then we have this guy another canadian who i just the whole the shots the the whole thing he did an amazing job i just thought it was did so such a good cool. job there's one so shot in cool. particular we'll have to talk about when it gets there oh i know exactly I so the shot. Awesome. i know the shot you're talking about it was fantastic ah, okay. honestly yeah this episode is also my favorite so far although we are missing oh. a pivotal very important well okay we'll we'll talk about favorite. i didn't even think about him i didn't even think about him <gasps> How could you even say that? I thought about him last episode. I did. I thought about him last episode, but this one, I didn't even think about him once. I was just like, wow. Really? He didn't even well, cross my mind. Yeah, no, this this episode is great. He is the the director of The Killer in the Concrete as well, which is also a good episode. So, yes. The writer was Christopher Ambrose, who wrote quite a few episodes of this show as well and was a producer on several episodes so he actually didn't write a ton of things sorry yes just so he's he knows these characters like he's really um yeah familiar you know these the characters and where they're going and i think that's really great this is this director though sorry yes I'm telling you, I just, I'm going to bring him he's up. He's great. Sorry, he's great. <laughs> well, this, the writer wrote, so that he writes, he wrote two episodes in season two and two episodes in season three. So he wrote The Girl in Suite 2103 in season two. The Man in the Mansion, which was crazy. Remember that picture of Hodgins uh, back yes, in season two? Yes. And so the intern and the incinerator and then he's gonna also write season three episode 13 as well and then he's done he produced a ton of episodes but as far as writing he just had the four i noticed this director also did santa in the slush or something like that which is i think uh, from what i gather is a pretty i haven't seen it yet so no spoilers okay okay but from what i gather is like a pretty like memorable episode very very memorable okay okay and also it sounds like our our second christmas episode yeah our second (laughs) christmas episode the christmas episode on that note so yes move forward and jump into it continue we'll continue uh you know 
showering this director with accolades as we move forward, but I'm just so impressed with the directing. So where do let's uh, how do we open here, Brittany? Tell me what happens. We open by me watching this episode uh, most recently on my phone at full volume <laughs> accidentally. And uh, sirens are <laughs> blaring and Wayne is sleeping. Not a good combo. <laughs> I immediately had to turn down my phone. Uh, so sirens are blaring and these two uh, janitors are walking toward this incinerator. And they're complaining that people are constantly throwing shit down there that they shouldn't be throwing down there. Most notably, the squints often throw down animal parts once they finish doing experiments on them. Most recently, Zach Addy was doing an experiment on a pig. So they just assumed that he must have thrown the pig down the incinerator. And that's why it's smoking like crazy. So they go to open it up and they're thinking, okay, here we go. We're about to find this pig and we're going to rip this guy a new one for being an idiot for throwing it down there. But lo and behold, they open up the door and there is a burnt body inside flaming with incineration. And yeah, I would say that that's definitely not a pig. What do you think, Kelly? Oh, wow. <laughs> These uh, maintenance guys really hate the lab staff. They have oh a lot God, of resentment. So much. <laughs> they think they're all a bunch of jerks throwing down dead animals and all that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, they have discovered a body half consumed by flames, and it's pretty shocking. Pretty if shocking. Not- I'm also incredibly shocked that this place has this incinerator. Yes. I, I want to know. And I, I be, after watching this episode in particular, I'm very curious about, like, A, how big is the Jeffersonian? Like, what are we talking about square footage? Because, I mean, they brought in like a whole basement full of artifacts they're going through yeah. and they're doing something over here and they have an incinerator. Yeah. This space looks massive. This, and multiple this wings part, of the building. Multiple wings. Yeah. I have so many questions about this place, but All I'm I pretty... wrote was, what are you supposed to burn in here? Because <laughs> well, it's like a like... shaft that you can drop something yeah. from the top floor. Like you can drop that something from any floor and to this Brittany, open shaft i don't understand me you're yes. absolutely right this is insane to me actually now that i think of it about it even more like i didn't even consider like who has access to this thing are people just randomly opening up a door and throwing garbage like i don't yes. understand what's happening it's like a here. condo garbage chute except it has flames on the bottom <laughs> Like, what are you supposed to burn if if you're not burning pigs? And they're not burning body parts because they keep everything. Yeah. Like, it's it's a bone (laughs) place. They keep the bones. I'm so confused. I am very... (laughs) Like, it's not an actual medical facility. I mean, I guess Cam has to get rid of the guts and stuff if she's doing autopsies. Oh, maybe. Maybe. You know what? You've raised a whole other (laughs) level of what the hell is going on in this place kind of questions. All I just imagine is when I lived in a condo, I had a garbage chute. And I just imagine there being like fire at the bottom of that chute. That's insane. It's crazy. Anyway, Uh, Anyway. They didn't need two people to go investigate this either. But 
needless to say, we move on. Brennan, Cam, Brennan and Cam obviously agree that it's not pork. They think that this was someone who died six to eight hours ago. Because I, we learned in this episode, which I did not know, that bone, if it's burned, would char in six hours and would turn to ash in eight hours. In fact, yes. I did not need to know, but now I know it. It takes it, a so long time cool. to yeah. burn a body. So this person was dumped into, into the incinerator between 1 and 3 a.m., which would be very helpful because they're able to look at the visitor logs to see who was in the building at that time. And they determine, well, there were no visitors. So they're thinking, oh, shoot, the victim works there and the killer must work there as well. Mm-hmm. Unless this person just decided to fall into the incinerator. But I don't think it's very possible. <laughs> yes. I just want to say. Okay, I agree with you. I, I'm following along. Everything's fine. But at this point the music is when kicks in here like our it was it was in the previous scene but it's continuing throughout this scene as well there's this amazing creepy soundtrack playing throughout this whole episode and i'm probably going to mention it again and i absolutely love it i love it i love it i love it it's just setting this incredible tone that is spooky, spooky. And suspensey, and I love yeah. it. I just love it. It's amazing. Yeah this this show it kicks off on the right foot. I just realized I didn't write down when the credits happen. It doesn't happen yet. So I'll go okay. the next scene we have. They've left. Obviously, they've removed the remains from the incinerator. Back at the lab. Back at the lab. And uh, Brennan and Cam are together. They're together a lot in this episode, actually. Uh, They're looking over the remains in Cam's autopsy room. The victim turns out to be a young female, and it was deposited into the incinerator after she died. So she didn't die burning to death, which is, I guess, a consolation of some kind. Angela then interrupts them to say that someone named Bancroft is coming to check things out. And I asked the same question Brennan does, who is Bancroft? Uh, apparently, he's a big honcho at the Jeffersonian. I have a question for you, Brittany, because, <laughs> well, I have a question for you, Brittany. Is this a recurring character? Do we ever see him again? I don't know who this guy is. Never I heard of him. don't remember seeing him again. While you're chatting about this scene, I'm going to look this up. You're going to find out. I, You know what? Listeners, I don't mind a few spoilers here and there, and this is one of them. I need to know what's going on. Regardless, Angela is <laughs> very chipper. <laughs> Angela is very chipper about doing facial reconstruction when normally she'd be like, ew, gross, screw, gross. Anyway, so Brennan casually removes the head from the body of this corpse and places it on some kind of pedestal. Angela then looks at the skull and she sort of does this mental calculation where it like morphs into somebody's face. Like she actually can tell who this person is just by looking at the skull. And she has this like little internal freak out. And then when Brennan asks her if she's okay, are you okay? Because she's acting a little weird. And Angela says she's fine. And I hate it when characters do this. It's like, it's maddening. 
Like, why couldn't she say then that she thought she knew yeah. who it was? Like, I just like, it's like that episode, like you were saying, Man in the Mansion, where Hodgins didn't say that he was engaged to the victim's wife. Like, what the hell are you doing? Like, these little things that people, these these devices people use, I know they have to do it to make the show interesting and have these scenes, especially this stupid scene. Where, anyway. <laughs> I feel like uh, in this case, maybe she just wanted to be sure. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, she's so chipper about, oh, I'm ready to do the facial reconstruction. And then Brennan, like, True. literally rips the head off the body and puts it on this thing. And she's, like, has this, like, oh, my God. Anyway, Cam and Brennan are really puzzled by her behavior. Like, what was that all about? And Brennan's, like, I don't know. And then we have our intro. Did you find her, there's, when she sees the skull sitting there and she comes and she realizes that it's this person she knows, they do this like weird, it's this weird scene where they create the face yeah. from the skull, like in her yeah, mind, morph, but in front of you. It morphs into the, morphs. the person's face. Yeah. It was so weird. It was jarring and really bad, and I just thought it didn't look anything like the person that they ended up no. looking at. Anyway, <laughs> they um, did their okay. best. Also, spoiler alert, if you uh, Bancroft, don't want to hear if this yes. guy comes back, um, yeah. he does not. This is his one and only episode. Oh, my God. <laughs> his yeah, name is that makes me. Xander. Xander Berkeley. I he's know. He's a huge actor. He's been in... 255 things. His acting Xander. credits on IMDb have 255 titles. Honey, he's been around forever. Forever. And he was in The Walking Dead, but he's dead now, isn't he? Yes. Is he dead? Like all characters. He died. Oh, no, he's still alive. Wow. Oh, the character. I thought you meant in Walking Dead. <laughs> no no the, i thought he was somebody like, else yeah, like all of the apologies characters. no no he's still alive. no he plays um he plays a terrible character on walking dead i remember him now but he started with like mash in 1981 yeah so Did he's you ever been around mash? for a very long time born in 1955 he's actually not as old as i thought he was well, how how old did you think he was? I thought based on his like 250 credits to his name, I thought he would be like in his 80s, but he's only 68. Yeah. That's I do recognize young. him from he plays this character on Walking Dead, I think Gregory or something. Anyway, mm -hmm. um I'm really pissed off about that, about the fact that he's made to be out out to be this in a poncho <laughs> and we never see him again. We've never heard about him before today, and we will never hear about him again. <laughs> it's wild. It's wild. Well, maybe, I don't know, maybe they'll justify why he's not on the show anymore. We'll find out. 
I'm just going to say before we move forward, after our intro, we go back into the show and there's creepy music again. I love it so much. <laughs> I didn't even pick up on the music. I, I feel like I should. Brittany! Brittany! <laughs> the whole I'm not thing, doing my job. The <laughs> soundtrack was amazing. You got to check out this soundtrack. Are you kidding me? I will for sure. <gasps> oh. Well, I would highly okay. recommend you listen, you watch it and listen for the mu- the creepy music. It's phenomenal. I will for sure, especially now that you've brought it up. I'm going to go back and watch. I, honestly, I enjoyed this episode. I would be happy to watch it again. There's some episodes, not just of this show, that um, like some there's some shows, even full shows that I just couldn't go back and watch it again. Like I enjoyed it while it lasted, but one time is enough kind of thing. But this I could watch multiple times. Okay, Angela is about to spill the beans to Brennan. She immediately tells her when Brennan walks into her office, I think to check on her kind of seems like she's thinking, okay, Angela, are you okay? Um, Yeah. She, when she walks in, Angela's like, you're not going to like what I have to say because I've identified Mm -hmm. the victim, even though I haven't even looked at the skull (laughs) basically, but she knows the victim because of certain markers. Um, For example, she has a chip in her tooth that she knows happened in a skiing accident when she was 16. So she knows details about this person's life because no, she wasn't really friends with her, but she was friendly. They would, it's an, it's an intern at the Jeffersonian. So this is someone she had lunch with a couple times, whatever, got gossiped with a little. So basically I'm saying it for basically, the first time in this episode, hopefully. Good job. And good last job. time, maybe. Um, <laughs> this intern is the daughter of, a very influential person that used to work at the Jeffersonian, Dr. Ted, Ted Reardon. Uh, her name is Kristen Reardon. And Brennan is shocked to find out that this is the, per- that, that it is this person, that the victim is this person. And she takes it upon herself to, to say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to have to be the one to, to tell her father this news. She takes Angela's, she doesn't even question Angela's um, belief that this is Kristen. Uh, She takes it as fact, which I thought was somewhat surprising, but I guess she relies on her expertise. So in the pool of people who it could have been is small. Yes, Kelly. Brittany. Yes. How big is the Jeffersonian? Huge. How but they only employ work, so many people. <laughs> how many people work at the Jeffersonian? I have no idea. I'm it just going to say seem like that many, but it must be a lot. I'm just going to say the ROM employs 577 people. <laughs> that is yeah, not very many people. No. But 577 is enough that you wouldn't know everyone. There's no way no one knows who this girl is. A, B. Angela also reveals that she, Kristen, the victim, told her that she was having an affair with a married man who also works at Jeffersonian. Yes. Which is wild because she doesn't, I get the impression that she's not even like best friends with this person. 
but she had coffee with her. Angela seems to have time. I just want to also mention when something's revealed later, I want to come back to this thing where Brennan doesn't know who this person is. Okay. Just going to say that. Sounds good. (laughs) True. Because she acts surprised that Dr. Reardon's daughter is even working at the Jeffersonian. Ah. That's one thing. I'm making there's another thing here now, Kelly. There's another thing that makes it kind of like, really, really, you nobody knew who this girl. Was. <laughs> okay. Also, first kiss in the opening of the Egyptian exhibit. Like, is the Egyptian exhibit just where they have their romps? Is this not ah, where Hodgins and I was like, Angela were? Is born? that a is that a callback? <laughs> oh boy. Anyway, anyway, what do we got here? First, (laughs) after they have this discussion, there's a smoky scene transition. So between the scene, there's like this sort of cloudy fog smoke that goes across the screen like it's a a werewolf Halloween episode. Thank you for picking up on these details can't believe you didn't notice that and then they have that creepy piano music and here is where we meet bancroft oh <laughs> i'm just gonna say we meet bancroft booth and he are having a little chat they have this weird disdain for each other like they really there's a disdain they don't like each other because booth is asking that bancroft ensure that everyone cooperates with the fbi while they investigate Bancroft warns Booth about scientists being like really difficult to work with. Basically, I said, basically, please have take a drink. <laughs> Booth then tells Bancroft uh, who the victim is. And then Bancroft's taken aback because Mr. Reardon, who used to work at Jeffersonian, was someone that Bancroft actually fired. And he facilitated uh, a necessary change, Kelly. <laughs> It's a diplomatic way of saying that he fired the guy. And then oh, yeah. uh, Booth said that Brendan was going to tell Kristen's father about his daughter, which is awful. Yeah. Awful. It is nice that she's going herself out of respect for him and his scientific, like they have that, that rapport and I guess in the scientific community. So I think it was sure. nice that she went herself instead of bringing Booth along. Not qualified, um, Brittany. Not qualified. She sh- there yeah. should be somebody else selling him this. But go on. Oh, but they were. It sounds like she was somewhat close with him. I don't know. But did you see this handshake? The handshake that they have at the end is like almost, almost like a slow high five. But like, no, down they low were too like slow. It's and all they, a power, it's like a power, it's a power dynamic. Yeah. But it looked like they were going to slap each other instead of oh my God. like shake hands. Terrible. I'm just yeah, going to talk very briefly about this next scene because I'm going to go through Please it quickly because I hated it. I hated it. <laughs> sorry. Booth and Cam. Booth and Cam are watching Brennan break the news to Kristen Reardon's father about her being found in an incinerator. And then start chatting about Cam's, Booth and Cam start talking about uh, Cam's father turning 60. A couple things. That seems too young to have a kid as old as Cam. And That's what I said. The question, how old is Cam? And then 
We'll try to find out how old is how old Cam is because we did we already did our forensic sort of like PI work on finding out how old uh, Brennan was. Yeah, but I just want to say this is a silly subplot. I I don't understand the point of any of this. I think it's just basically because the main one is so dense and heavy and there's so much going on that they had to have this very light, no stakes kind of situations where. Cam has to go to dinner with her family to celebrate her father's 60th. She has to get Booth to masquerade as her boyfriend during dinner because her parents don't know that they broke up. First of all, they were never a real item anyway because uh, their relationship was a friggin' secret the whole time. So I don't know why this is even a discussion. Yeah. But he's like her pretend boyfriend to show her family like she's doing okay because I guess they're worried about her living alone. Meanwhile, she's like the director of the friggin' forensics area of the Jeffersonian. She's an accomplished scientist. She was a coroner in New York City, wasn't she? Yeah, she was. Like, she's fine. This does not suit Cam. I just feel like this is not... I don't feel like this is a realistic silly subplot but we're going with it because i'm forgiving it only because of a few things but mainly the main story is good what'd you find out it doesn't like there's reddit whole reddit boards that talk about how old these people must be and there's thinking that everyone's supposed to be between 27 and 33 when the start when the show starts so she would be likely like 35 at the time because remember he said I'm only 35 and Booth and Cam must be similar ages. Okay. But that would mean that Cam is like my age basically and has worked as a coroner which is a very prestigious job in New York City and now literally heads up the Jeffersonian department this department of the Jeffersonian. No. <laughs> this stuff drives me. No, no. <laughs> it's like, uh, what was that movie? Prometheus or some kind of alien based uh, prequel where all this, oh these astronauts are like 20 years old. I'm like, fuck, do you know how old astronauts are? Do you know how long it takes to become an astronaut? Yeah. Okay. She's 34. All right. Someone Fine. somewhere. On so her dad was what? 20, 25, 26 when he had her. Yeah, which is All not right. out of, that's not out of the realm of. Anyway, her dad was young when he had her. Okay. <sighs> that's just weird. That's young. 25, 4, 25? It's young, but at the same time, I back then, like my mom was 25 when I was born. Yeah. So I was okay. 35, but go on. So uh, that's more normal, <laughs> I think. But I like this subplot. I know that you hate it, but I like this subplot. <laughs> Just thought it was so frivolous. It was it's so, so frivolous. frivolous. It's so silly. But I um, was more I was more like this whole episode is really interesting about how it's an interesting sort of snapshot of booth's relationships with these people like it's yeah how they interact and what he knows about them and things like that like it's that's what i think is interesting about how well he knows these people that's all yeah 
Yeah. Okay. Should we talk about the next scene? Go we for meet it. a new person, Dr. Clem Hugh, hmm. who seems very nice. So Booth and Brennan are chatting in the, I think, in the bone storage room. And they are interrupted by Dr. Clem Q, uh, who is shocked that Kristen was murdered. So we find out that she worked in authentications. I'm so dramatic. Uh, we find out that she worked in authentications. So they have a department, which makes sense, similar to probably what they have at the ROM, that other museums and high-end collectors, they use the Jeffersonian to, to authenticate any of their purchases so it's he heads up the department with an assistant and a bunch of interns who are phd candidates one of them being Kristen. and we find out that there's something called the bates fellowship which she the the victim was sort of it was thought that she was going to win the whole thing that she was going to get this this fellowship and whoever gets the fellowship receives $75,000 and it looks incredible on your resume. So this is a huge prize. So at the moment, based on him telling us this, you would think, okay, maybe someone else, the second person in the running, maybe that was who might've killed her. But there, we find out that they're currently authenticating the artifacts in what they're currently calling the serial killer vault. Did I miss a detail, Kelly? I did. Oh, when we no, when we find out that Kristen is down there in the vault with all these artifacts, this is where I'm like, Angela Hodgins. Everybody should know this person. Everybody should know who this True. person is. Is they're constantly down there? This is their case. This is their the thing they're working on. Yeah, you would think they'd be sharing notes. That's a very good point. Excellent point, yeah. Kelly. Yes, I know. Aren't I the best? Oh, don't the forget. Best. You are the best. So we are, I'm really trying not to say basically. So <laughs> we find out. You're doing great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, so they're looking for someone named Neil Tyler, who is the second in the running for this Bates Fellowship. And it's he's Tyler. down authentic. Tyler <laughs> Neville. What? It's Tyler Neville, isn't it? No. What's your script say? The script says Neil Tyler. That's why I just I assumed it was right. <laughs> oh my god. I didn't god. even question it. You're probably right. There. Tyler Neville. Okay, so the, the serial killer is or not the serial killer. The guy looking at the serial killers is serial killer vault is not oh my god. Is not what does it say in here? Neil Tyler. But it is Tyler neville neville who we don't see for That's very funny. long which is why i obviously didn't question his name mm. so oh boy so he's down authenticating the artifacts down in the serial killer vault which i don't want to reveal the name yet that they finally come up with a nickname for this serial killer in a couple scenes uh but be uh, not basically but <laughs> basically uh by the end of this scene Booth notices that Dr. Klimkew has a wedding ring on and is questioning how his wife feels about these long hours, but he's separated, so that was a dead end. I'm so sorry, Booth. Yeah. 
the script literally says Neil Tyler all the way through it. That's funny. And that's why, that's what it. I do. You pick one and you just stick with it regardless. So here we are. <laughs> I just are. didn't question it. <laughs> then they, Booth and Brennan go to the basement where the archive is with the, the vault with all of this evidence and all these artifacts. And they're going to talk to Tyler Neville, who's working away very busily looking at these um, these items. And he has one in specifically under his microscope that's being projected onto his screen. And he knows and notices it's a lot of Gormagon iconography in this particular batch of artifacts in this vault. And he says it's an extinct society that wanted to abolish the Illuminati and all that. You can maybe elaborate on that. I, I didn't really pay attention. But we were we That's all we the... learned. Sorry? You got it. That's basically the extent of it. You nailed it. So we learned that Tyler Neville, who is a very handsome African American gentleman with light colored eyes, which is a nice rare little detail. He's very handsome. We learned that he comes from an, a bit of an underprivileged background, and he was a little resentful that Kristen Reardon got to work more than he did at the museum because he had to take on extra jobs to pay like the bills, and she didn't because she comes from a sort of a higher class or you know a more privileged background. Yeah, and then Brennan finds, or she's. I'm sorry, I'm getting confused because these two scenes are mixed up. But we learn after Booth prods him a little bit and like kind of starts accusing him of wanting to kill Kristen. Yeah. Uh, we learn that uh, he knew that she was seeing someone but didn't know who it was. And Booth asks if Tyler Neville is married and he says, no, I'm gay. Like he tells Booth very straight up, I'm gay. And I yeah. wanted to ask you to look up when gay marriage was i was just thinking that legalized i don't know if it's a word legalized i don't know if that's the word but, but when gay marriage was accepted in washington i guess and while they're chatting brennan walks over to Kristen's desk and her freaking purse is sitting there and i'm just gonna say like that's really bad like wouldn't they know where she was last seen and we go check her desk immediately after they know who it is. Wouldn't they have already looked for a friggin' purse? Yeah, it's like been how many days my, after. It seems like it's been have, like multiple days <laughs> after they found the body. Exactly. Yeah. Also, this makes me very sad. Um, same-sex marriage was not legalized there until March 2010. So after this episode came out. So that, that answers my question. When he said he was yeah. gay, it means that he wouldn't be married for sure. So Yeah. Well, honey, that's, the United States is brutal. I mean, how long, I mean, how long has it been here in Canada? In Canada? Yeah. I'm about to find out that we're not as progressive as I think we are. Same-sex marriage, Canada. 2005. Okay. Better. Not much better. <laughs> Not much better. Slightly better. Slightly better. Um. Anyway, I, I apologize for being all over the map with that one, but I just no. You got all the, the key details. But she also finds a phone, a cell phone in Kristen's purse. Yeah. Which again, I can't believe it's taken this long to find this purse yeah. and this. And this guy has been maybe working downstairs in the 
vaults with the knowledge that Kristen he has is for dead. sure. Yes. And uh, she he hasn't touched the bag. He hasn't gone near her desk. He yeah. hasn't called anybody to say, hey, she left a bunch of shit here. Like it's it's really weird. Is is this the first that he that he's hearing of it that she's dead? I no, don't know. Right? It doesn't I seem mean, like he, it. She just told his her dad, so maybe. True. Okay, also our timeline is off. This all happened just this morning that they found the body. Because he said, Where were you last night? Okay. So it hasn't been days. It's only been like okay. hours. So that's not awful. I was like, Oh yeah. Both of us are like, yo, what? why has no one found this purse yet? Yeah. Okay. Now Brennan's gonna tell in the next scene, Brennan and Booth are walking around the Jeffersonian and they she is saying what we are all thinking. She is thinking that if Kristen was authenticating exhibits from the Gormagon vault, what's it and called? Gormagon killed her. Who's Gormagon? Oh, we haven't talked about that yet. So she starts <laughs> calling the serial killer vault the Gormagon vault because of this connection to Gormagon that we talked about a couple of scenes ago. So she's saying if Gormagon killed her, the victim, then Gormagon is one of the people at the Jeffersonian. And that's a scary thought. But Booth is like, hold your horses. You're not the investigator here. You're a scientist. Stay in your lane and stop trying to make this a serial killer um, case. Her face was not eaten off. She's not male. Like, there's many reasons why this probably isn't Gormagon and stop trying to freak people out. But at that moment, they're walking by a window and a body starts falling outside the window. And then they both sprint off after being like, wait, that just happened, right? <laughs> it gave me gave me the heebie-jeebies. This episode is very I spooky. It was funny. It's very spooky. They got the smoky transitions. They got the creepy piano in the background. Booth is pissed because Brennan has given the serial killer a nickname. He doesn't like that. <laughs> he doesn't like giving the, a serial killer a nickname, which is trouble all over the place. And I love it. Yeah, they're walking on the catwalk, I guess, between wings of the Jeffersonian. And uh, they're just walking by this beautiful window and they both see this this something fall from the friggin' roof. And they're like, and Booth looks at, I love the way he goes, Did, you just saw that, right? <laughs> like, I love the way crazy, he does right? that. It's like, I'm not, I'm not seeing things, right? Anyway, <laughs> they do sprint off, like you said, but they don't just sprint off. They don't just sprint off, Brittany. They <laughs> arrive at the scene of this quote-unquote crime where a body has fallen from the roof in like a golf cart security vehicle. How did they get this vehicle? That's they show what I up. wrote. I was like, where, who gave them the keys to this vehicle? They run out the door and they just find this vehicle and they're <laughs> needing to go see who it is. And sure enough, what do we got? Hodgins and Zach handcuffed by security guards from the Jeffersonian, there are six security guards at the scene. Six. <laughs> They're on high alert. What's happened, Brittany? So Zach and Hodgins got it in their head that it was a great idea to 
create a dummy with the exact bone density of the victim to try to figure out how fall how far she must have fallen to create the fracture pattern on her skull and fortunately booth and brennan give them a chance to explain themselves because we find out from this experiment that the body had to have come from it could not have fallen from any less of a distance than the top floor. So someone put the body in the incinerator from the top floor, which helps narrow things down. <laughs> the security guards do not look pleased at all. <laughs> I don't know. A couple of them look kind of bored. They're just hanging, hanging around like, hey, what's going on, Joe? How many times have we had to film this? How, how many times have we done this scene? <laughs> do you think? Do you think we got it this time? Plus, it's a night shoot, right? They're there at yeah. nighttime. Yeah, exactly. So, That's what I want to know from the director if they did all night shoots for this episode because it's very dark throughout, right? The whole thing is dark. Yeah, I'm curious. Ooh, ooh. ooh. Okay, listen. Okay, I have a couple things to say. Hodgins is upset because he feels they're being detained by the Gestapo. Gestapo? <laughs> He's saying the security guards are like Nazis. And I'm like, Hodgins, slow your roll. Your family probably made most of their money during World War II. You, that's why you guys are all billionaires. Like, what are you complaining about? You're probably part of the problem, regardless. And then... Hodgins is excited about the fact that the body came from the, like, fell from the roof, which means that it came from, like, the the executive floors of the Jeffersonian where all the suits are, the quote-unquote yeah. suits are. And then Booth goes, hey, man, I wear a suit. And Hodgins goes, yes, yes, you do. And I just thought that was really funny. <laughs> I love that. It was very, like... Hodgins yeah, is kind of funny in this one. Either. Oh, I'm He's sorry. He's funny. Um... Mark it down. Yes. Uh, season yes. three. Yes, mark down six. the date, uh, the time. He really loves the uh, the presence. I don't. Of I didn't say. I didn't say that. Loves. loves I didn't it. say I really loved the presence. <laughs> I just said he was funny in this episode. He was funny, and she really loved him in this episode. Okay, so the next yeah. scene. <laughs> oh. So the next scene, uh, we start yes. to get a little bit more details from Cam about uh, about the victim's death. She this victim would have had to have bled a lot based on how she was how she died because she was stabbed to death and she punctured very important arteries and whatever lots of bleeding. So yeah, they're trying to keep it under wraps. Booth is like Booth and Camera thinking we got to keep it together. That they the two of them agree that they don't think that this is a serial killer situation. But they're realizing that a lot of people are going, oh, Gormagon, Gormagon, this must be a serial killer case because this happened to someone who worked in the Gormagon vault. So they really want to put a stop to that. But Cam is kind of like, eh, I don't know if it's possible. But we get our first viable suspect, in my opinion. And that is Dr. Kyle Aldridge, who heads up the Middle East department and has an office in a perfect location on the top floor. And he is all over Kristen's phone. He's been blowing up her phone. She's been blowing up his phone. He's yes. married. 
looks like maybe he could be our married dude that she's having an affair with. Let's find out. And then Cam seamlessly uh, stops Booth from trying to get out of going to her father's 60th birthday party. And they have the funniest interaction where she's like, zip. She just keeps making noises at him. I thought it was so sweet. Anyway. Did I miss anything? It's funny. They have a great rapport. And I like their relationship a lot, like how they're buddies. I just think that's really nice. But another thing, another situation, apparently this guy, Aldridge, uh, his office is in a different wing of the building. Yes. I still want to know how big this place is. I want to know how big the Jeffersonian is. I want to know how many people work here. Um, Why doesn't Brennan know this guy? I mean, I'm sure she's had to research middle eastern bones before she does know him brennan knows this guy because she hates his guts she finds him (laughs) unpalatable (laughs) yeah so next we have booth interviewing mr aldridge in his office while reading a magazine that has an article about mr aldridge in it (laughs) and he's quite he looks like quite sort of a rich playboy type uh executive booth is so over it this guy aldridge is a real piece of work oh yeah we find out that he has an a lavish lifestyle because his wife's family is rich it's not because he's rich and then while they're having this interview we don't learn very much aldridge is very no. uh buttoned up about whatever's yeah. going on here doesn't cop to anything and is very arrogant incredibly such arrogant. such an ass <laughs> then in the middle of this casual interview we are interrupted by my new favorite i think i have two favorite fbi guys this is an fbi forensics dude he's played by a uh, gentleman with the last name greenman he's been in several episodes i congratulate this man on getting a recurring role like this where he shows up says a couple lines but he's our forensics guy interrupts booth's interview and says hey get over here aldridge's workroom has some interesting forensic evidence that you might want to check out and booth goes yes agent number one no he doesn't say that but he is agent number one (laughs) agent number one yeah so they go to this workroom which is close to the office where they just were brennan's there Booth's there. Our friend agent number one is there. Aldrich is there as well. Yeah. And at the end of the day, they light the black light. There's a shit ton of blood evidence everywhere. Tons of blood evidence. And Booth decides to take Aldrich into custody. And then what happens? Then we have the coolest scene ever where we have Mm -hmm. this handcuff. Yes. And his face is in the middle of it as he's being told, well, do you want to come down to the station for questions, Dr. Aldrich? Oh, he's the worst. (laughs) This guy is so arrogant. It's like unbelievable. So Zach and Hodgins and Angela and Cam, they're all on like the main area in the lab. Yes. Am I skipping ahead? No, it just, this is, again, transition, creepy music. And this shot, they open on Hodgins 
standing there sort of inspecting a little vial of something and shaking it around. And what does he say? I never liked Kyle Aldridge. <laughs> but it's said in this way that's like, this is the thing about this episode, Brittany. It's very, it, it it's is well very much, but it's not, it's, it's like an old Hollywood suspense movie, like Alfred Hitchcock. It's a very quiet Pling plong, pling plong, like the like the piano is very uh what's the word I'm looking for? It's not like a full song, it's just very creepy, light, and then there's these quiet, that quiet moment where Hodgins goes, I never liked Kyle Aldridge. Like his tone is very creepy and like yeah. everybody is under suspicion. You know, it's like figuring out who the bad guy is. It's really fun. It's very, it gives me like Orient Express vibes a little bit. Yeah. Like a Hercule Poirot kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. So Zach, Zach also doesn't like uh, Kyle Aldridge because um, apparently he told him once that having a high IQ is no excuse not to bathe. <laughs> Who says that to someone? Anyway, just trying to paint the picture that uh, Kyle Aldridge, Aldridge is a huge ass. Um. Anyway, so... Cam wants to know what Zach has figured out. They figured out that the damage has occurred to her 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 ribs at exactly sixty seven degrees. So they there's a single point of entry, one stab straight through the back. Angela is is here, but not here. She's present, like physically, but she's kind of in her own little world. She's talking about how, well, okay, it, it can't be Gormagon because the serial killer eats human flesh. And, well, Kyle Aldridge is a vegetarian, so it, that, it can't be him. Yeah. And so Hodgins makes a, a claim that Hitler was a vegetarian. I don't know if that's historically accurate, but sounds it interesting. Is. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So good to know. Not that I needed another fact I didn't need to know. But they don't get yeah. the impression. Kim asks, do you see... Could you see him? Could you see him committing this murder, like a crime of passion kind of kind of idea? And they they say, yeah, yeah, maybe I could see it. Maybe, really, no definitive answer. But they have a little. Hodgins has a little bit of evidence that also would tie into Kyle Aldridge, some particulates, whatever. So it is kind of looking like Aldridge is the killer. It feels like we have kind of a slam dunk situa situation here. Mm. And then skip ahead because all this stuff does, isn't as important as what Zach says at the end of the scene. <laughs> and uh, Angela is saying, like, I don't sleep with married men, Cam. Like, I, I don't really know Aldridge that well. Like, Well, she, they ask they ask Angela if she knew Aldridge because she seemed, like, to know him personally because she was saying yeah. how he was grumpy. She was, like, in trying to describe his personality by making, like, grumpy noises. Grunting and, noises. <laughs> and Cam's like, do you know him? And she's like, yeah, we went for drinks once, but I don't sleep with married men. And then yeah. what does Zach say? And then Zach says, well, you're married and you sleep with men beside your husband. So what's the difference? And Hodgins just smacks him because obviously they've been trying to get her unmarried. Zach, have some like read the room. Also, you can't hit people, so Hodgins. You should no, be fired for that. He should. And this is an important lesson to all people like my son, Wayne, who punched me in the face only a few weeks ago. 
or a couple weeks ago. No, even toddlers shouldn't hit people. Anyway, moving on. I'm not holding any grudges. (laughs) So, very interestingly, we end up at the FBI headquarters. Booth and Brennan are there. And we find out that Booth wants Brennan to interrogate Aldridge. And it's because he thinks that it would be effective to have someone of equal or or higher intelligence. Because he's not going to take Booth seriously, basically. He's going to talk down to him and he's going to be an ass. Yes. Who thinks? Yes. Right before they show Booth and Brennan heading towards the interrogation room, they show a sort of static shot of the outside of the FBI building. Yeah. I feel like this is the first time we've seen this picture, first of all. My question is, does the FBI have a thing where they won't let you use the picture without their permission until they know that the show's any good? Or what's the story Imagine. of the image? And I like this interaction between Booth and Brennan. Again, this episode is all about, I think, Booth's relationships with everybody else. Um, yes. Because he says to her, he wants her to interview him because he Aldridge thinks Booth's an idiot. He's yeah. not smart. And Brennan goes, you are smart. Like, she says that he's smart. He goes, okay, yeah, thanks. But, and then he's like trying to tell her, like, be quiet and listen. This is what I want you to do. Yeah. And uh, I just thought that was cute. Which is like, but you are smart, Booth. He's like, thank you. <laughs> like, here's your boost of confidence. He's like, yeah, though, I didn't, I didn't, I don't think Irrelevant. I'm dumb. It's just him <laughs> that thinks I'm dumb. <laughs> that he goes on. Well, it's funny because he's like, this guy thinks I'm stupid. No, you're not stupid. And then he's like, okay. But she accuses him of being a sociopathic serial killer. So she's questioning his approach. She's saying like, I don't know if I should take the approach that you're suggesting because of the, he's a sociopathic serial killer. Implying that he's Gormagon. And Booth is like, okay, no, no, we're not looking for Gorgonzola today. Gorgonzola today. And he continues throughout this episode to call him Gorgonzola instead of Gormagon. And I just think that's hilarious. So. She's going to go into the room. She's going to do this interrogation. And extremely inappropriately, the victim's father is there to watch this interview. Thank you. Because this would never happen in 1,000 million, thousand million, billion years. Why is the father present during this interrogation? It's absolutely absurd. It makes no sense at all. I just wrote, why, why, why? (laughs) So him and, so Booth and and Dr. Reardon, the victim's father, standing behind the glass watching Brennan do this interview. And this dog, he just looks horrified this whole time because of the comments that this guy's making. And I can't imagine that he's loving the fact that he's finding out from not his daughter, that she was sleeping with some married dude who is the biggest ass on the planet. Not just any married dude, a guy that Reardon probably knows. Yeah, yeah. Worked with and dislikes. 
I do love how Brennan shuts him down though, because so Brennan shuts down Dr. Aldridge because he's saying, okay, why am I talking to you? You're just a mere, you're low down in the totem pole. You're just an FBI consultant. I can't believe that they would have you talk to me. I think being who I am, this fancy schmancy person and such a genius that I should be able to talk to some of a high, higher caliber. I'm paraphrasing in much longer words than needed to happen. So she she just puts a stop to that immediately. And she's like, well, you know, I know you think that you uh, can get at whatever you want by just being a smart person, but it's not going to work here because actually I'm smarter than you. So uh, you're going to tell me what I want to hear. And that's about it. So he continues. She continues to ask questions. Were you having an affair with Kristen? Etc. Etc. And she puts it out there from Angela's gossip session that she knows that her that their first kiss was at the opening of the Egyptian exhibit. And immediately he's like, "Well, okay, obviously the victim was indiscreet, so yeah, sure, you know details." So yes. We have a confession, in my opinion. And he's starting to see that this he's not an idiot. So the the evidence is piling up against him. So he immediately makes the point that he wants to speak with a lawyer and he wants to make arrangements with the federal pop- prosecutor before he says anything else. So let's see what kind of deal he comes up with. Yes, Kelly. Right. So Aldridge is as you're saying, very arrogant, and Brennan shuts him down. I just want to say this guy who plays Aldridge, he has, like, a unique way of speaking. Like, he has, yeah, like, the way his, I don't know, his mouth sounds or something. It's very ASMR. (laughs) (laughs) It actually is, now that you say that. he's, He's quiet. Like, he's has quiet, he's a quiet, spoken kind of person and he has i wonder who this guy is do we know who he is that's what i'm looking is up he... right now let's find out who he is terrell tilford terrell to... tilford what's he been in honey let's find out i find him really unique because he has a look that is like where is he from you know now that i'm seeing look. a more current picture of him uh-huh what has he been in? He looks so familiar. He, he didn't look as familiar. Okay, let's look. Let's he look, hasn't let's been look. in as many things. Ooh. Days he of Our Lives. He was on that for a bit. Firefly movie. He was in the Firefly movie. He plays Ooh. a news anchor in that. He was in Switched at Birth. 16 episodes. 21 episodes of The Young and the Restless. He's seen, and he was also in Days of Our Lives. So he's a soap opera actor. Some criminal minds as well. 20. He carry on. Keep singing. Tassel. Single ladies. Castle. Twenty-two episodes of that. Castle. I love Castle. Castle. The protector. He was in our, the movie oh. Serenity too. Oh, what? he was in. He was in all of the episodes of One Life to Live. Okay. So he's a soap opera guy. Yeah. That explains a lot. The way he talks and the way he... He has a soap opera vibe. 
Yeah. But his vibe is very soap opera. He's I good agree. at the drama. Soap opera actors are great at drama. So he's good. I like it. I he as an actor, he does a great job because I hate this character, and that is exactly what they want you to feel. Oh I no, think. he's wonderful as this character. He's perfect. Perfectly cast. Perfect. Perfectly cast. Oh my god. Do you want to talk about this next scene or do you want me to talk Yeah, it? so next more <laughs> creepy music. Just gonna mention the creepy music again. It's very for me, it was so prominent. I just thought it was well uh, interspersed throughout the show. So quiet, but creepy. Regardless, we have Booth and Cam heading to dinner together for her father's birthday party. Cam is all dressed up and looking really good, still wearing her badge, not carrying a purse. I noticed that immediately. Booth actually bought her father a present. And he's basically wearing jeans with his dress shirt he's been wearing all day that's untucked and his blazer. I think it looks terrible. His shirt is wrinkled as hell and I hate it so much. I think um, that they're trying to make that point that he's making no effort. He didn't even he didn't even wrap the gift. <laughs> like he's making hey. zero effort. <laughs> uh, we used to wrap our presents in newspaper all the time. It's not even wrapped in newspaper, though. Yes, it is. I want you to go and look what? at the way this fucking thing is wrapped. I'm going to take a friggin' picture of it. Mark always wraps his gifts in newspaper. He loves it. Uh, gift wrapped in newspaper. It's for sure wrapped in newspaper. That's what we used to do at Christmas time is wrap all our stuff in newspaper so you wouldn't know whose was whose. Uh, so we have Cam's sister is going to pick them up. And Sorry, I'm trying to find the spot. We find out that Cam and her sister have like this weird rivalry. And Cam's like judging her all the time. Regardless, her sister shows up. And she's absolutely drop dead. Like I'm telling you, she's so beautiful. Uh, Cam goes to get her purse out of her office. And Booth and her sister, Cam's sister Felicia, start having this conversation about how Cam's life isn't as perfect as the sister thinks it is. And then Cam, Booth kind of compliments Felicia, saying, "You know, your life. Don't worry, your life's great, and you're doing really well. Like you're anyway." The sister Felicia. Bye, we'll Felicia. Questions. We'll have questions. So she takes this opportunity where Booth is complimenting her to jump his bones and start making out with him. Out of the blue, like completely it out of the blue. It is wrapped. Yes. <laughs> You're funny. I'm sorry. I, I wrote you. down that it was not wrapped. I was so sure. No. Well, okay, go on. Sorry. This paper is like a step up from nothing, I guess. It's, it's still it's still wrapped. Like the effort went into it. So I take it back. I'm sorry, Booth. So sorry. And I'll say it's wrapped well. I think his military training came in handy to yeah. know how to wrap a gift. It's not all men are able to do that. So anyway, the sister starts making out with Booth out of the blue. And she's like a little hungry, this girl. She's like a little starving. She's basically <laughs> their father is waiting in the car for them while this is happening. I just want to mention that. To go to dinner. And this girl, this woman who's playing cam's sister reminds me so much of the sister from coming to america that is so thirsty she's so thirsty <laughs> in this movie she's hitting on every guy she can and it's so she reminds me so much of that and i just want to mention she's also drop dead gorgeous so gorgeous 
Yeah. I like I like this character though. I don't know. I love her. She Does she is come back? Insane. I think so. She Was she? Oh yeah. I'm almost certain that she that she's like not recurring, but well, yeah, recurring, I guess, is what they call it. When they oh. come back a couple times. I'll just mention the woman who plays this character is played by Rochelle Eights. I think that's how you say your name. And she's what's uh what W. Kamal Bell, he used to have a podcast called Denzel Washington is the Greatest Actor of All Time, period, with uh, Kevin Avery. And they have these WBAs, which are working black actors. And she's a working black actress. So she's one of these women that's been working forever. And she's in so many things. I mean, like so many things. So many things. She's currently in SWAT, which is a TV okay. show. Okay. Yeah, I've definitely seen her before. Uh-huh. Beautiful. She does come back, but not much. So she is in the show again, but like not. Well, she comes back left in the Bancroft. True. More than one episode. There we go. That's our that's our base. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Cam comes back out and is like, okay, let's go. Sounds good. And Booth is like literally stumbling over himself. He drops the gift. He's like, oh, yeah, okay, let's go. Yeah, it's going to be a fun night. Can't wait. <laughs> so lucky to have you as my girlfriend, Cam. <laughs> He's so taken aback by this. He's like, like jumping shit. his bones. Yeah. Like, oh, Booth, come on. Oh my God. Single well, Booth in Washington is slaying. He's boning every night of the week. Are you kidding unintended. me? Unintended. Oh. Boning. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> I feel like the count. I've been watching too much Sesame Street. Um, yeah, I agree. <laughs> one. Uh, uh, uh. Okay. So <laughs> it's appropriate for the show. So creepy. Okay. So Angela and, and uh, Hodgins are having a little convo in this main examination area that they're walking through. And Angela has been hearing all these rumors. People are accusing Hodgins of being Gormagon. And she she starts re- reasoning with him that, yeah, actually, he would be a better candidate than this Kyle Aldridge guy to be Gormagon. And she talks about all the reasons why. And ultimately, Hodgins is like, okay, Angela, obviously, I'm not Gormagon. I'm not going to go and eat someone's face. Like, let's just make out. And then they do. And then he reveals some information that, so they, okay, once we get past that, because obviously they need to make out at least once per episode, um, we realize that there is some information that he's uncovered about the weapon. And he thinks, between the two of them, they, they think that it the weapon is an 800-year-old copper spear that she would have been stabbed with that was checked out of the authentication department by Kyle Aldridge only two weeks ago from the Gormagon vault. So Gormagon, yes, is coming back over and over and over again. But at this point, Kyle Aldridge is absolutely the key suspect. Every single piece of evidence seems to, to point to him. So where do they need to go? Obviously, they need to go to the Gormagon vault, and they got to go and look at this spearhead. What do you think? 
Seems like a good idea. Yes, they have to look at this uh, perspective weapon for sure. So they are in the Gorgamon vault. There's creepy music. And Brennan has asked Klim Q, this dude that we met earlier, to come down. I think he had the artifact or or he's what's his relationship to this artifact i'm curious he's just part of the authentication they wanted to know the history of it i guess so he knew more about it i think he's the head of the authentication department he's the head of the department and he has a couple people under him and a bunch of interns so anyway he's telling brennan the origin of this spear head and it doesn't matter regardless hodgins takes the copper piece of copper and he starts putting this Failing type solution Phenol on it. Phenolphthalein. Phenolphthalein. And that, okay. Clem Q is like, what are you doing? I think he would know what he was doing. Anyway. Yeah, definitely. Hodges is using this stuff to detect whether or not there was blood on the weapon or on the spearhead. It hasn't been determined to be a weapon and then it's determined and then he figures because he uses this pump this liquid chemical there's no blood on this copper spear so then booth is there as well with everybody and he asks if klim q knew about aldridge and Kristen. so we find out that all uh Klim Q, this name is killing me. I'm just going to say this it right is. now. This I, guy's is this name a real is crazy. Name? I want to know if this person is real because, like, there's no way they just made this. Like, who? I, the people in the writer's room, like, what are they doing? What are they doing? Anyway, uh, Klim Q knew all about this affair. Apparently, he caught them in the act, like, making out or something. And then Hodges walks away to put away the copper spirit thread. As they're having this discussion about Klim Hugh hatching them in the act. And then we hear Hodgins screaming. Help! Screaming, help, 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 I need help. So Booth, Brennan, and Klim Q run towards uh, Hodgins. And freaking Pyle Aldridge is hanging from the ceiling, dead, in the Gorgamon vault. And I wrote down in my notes. I wrote down in my notes. Jesus, that escalated quickly. Like it just completely. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's they're sitting there talking very casually about this copperhead, copper arrowhead, and then there's a dead guy hanging. Like how? Okay, I have. How big is this vault? How big is this vault? Okay. Like, did they not Beyond notice this the before? Vault. Yes. Okay. How? First of all, how did his body even get in there? Second of all. If Jesus. you're a if you are a suspect in a murder investigation and you want to talk to a lawyer and a federal prosecutor to make a deal, do you just get to go free while this is happening? You would think that this process would involve you um going and talking to this and because the the evidence is slam dunk against you at this point that you would go and into another room maybe at the FBI. Also, also also, they're not at the FBI though. Like it's wild. That's and the thing. How did he get all the way back to the Jeffersonian? This is just like the problem your sister is having at her lab. Where are the cameras showing people coming in and out of this freaking vault? 
Exactly. This vault there should be. has evidence in it from a serial killer. Yeah. It makes They're no sense. They're playing fast and loose with this evidence, with this these artifacts, with all this stuff around. It's wild. There's not enough security at the Jeffersonian, which I is agree. crazy. Also, Q is, in fact, a real last name. It derives okay. from a name which means mild or merciful. Anyway, it is Ukrainian in origin. Okay. In case you wanted to know. Also, that's not how they spell it in the show is not how you traditionally spell it. Instead of a K-E-W, normally it's with an I-W. We don't need to know these things. These anyway, are not relevant details, but thank you for sharing. No problem anytime. So, uh, yeah, this is insane. Our number one suspect uh, appears to have killed himself, except that we find out very quickly after the aut- we we come in to Cam finishing the opt- autopsy in her autopsy room of this Dr. Aldridge. I guess the benefit of him dying there is that they can have the um, autopsy done immediately. Yes. I just, this is, I know we need to get through this. It's late. I understand. No, it's fine. I just want to say. Let's chat. This is weird. I'm just going to say. Yeah. Everyone knows each other. There are no cops involved. Is this an FBI case? Yeah. I don't That's think true. this would be an FBI case. And I don't think Seems Brennan like would be investigating. Case. No. Brennan would not be investigating. They, I they shouldn't it's... be allowed to investigate because they're all no. it's within the Jeffersonian. You would think like all of these people are suspects, including Booth himself. Like he goes to the Jeffersonian regularly. He has everybody's freaking passwords. Yeah. So, yes, true. So, okay. Cam finishes the autopsy despite. So Brennan tells us that we find that Booth knows and told her that a suicide note was sent by email to his widow apologizing for the affair with Kristen and confessing to killing her. However, Cam confirms this guy did not kill himself. She knows because of various scientific details that we don't need to get into, but she can't figure out how he died. The cause of death isn't clear. There's Mm -hmm. the talk screen, which I thought takes a long time to come back. Apparently, she did a full talk screen, got it all back three seconds later. It was all negative. Yeah. Yeah. And they're they're realizing it would have actually taken quite a bit of effort to get this guy up hanging if he didn't kill himself. Insane. At the moment, they're thinking, okay, could it be the victim's father that killed him? Because he was there when aldridge was being questioned because we're idiots and let that happen no no this is uh (laughs) before all that comes up hodgins walks in with the rope that kyle aldridge was hanging from it's apparently this ancient old english rope they use in the old days and he has found some dna on this rope from the killer so yes this is exciting because Cam says to him, oh, wow, if you can find the guy and match the DNA, you found our killer. So then yeah. Hodgins declares himself king of the lab. King of the lab. <laughs> and this is where Brennan is an incredible genius. 
looks at the x-rays of the person of Kyle Aldridge and notices uh, something specific that's related to potassium and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, <laughs> geniuses, Brittany, because they, Cam and Brennan figure out that this guy, Kyle, was actually murdered with an ancient anesthetic. <laughs> like an anesthetic that is formulated with, like was formulated in ancient times, I guess is what I'm saying. Right? Yeah. But and it's, it's undetectable because it turns into potassium in the body, which is naturally occurring. And how and do they, they know, know this? That? How do they know that, Brittany? Tell me. No, you tell me. How How do they know? They know this because they both read a book written by Mr. Reardon, Kristen's father. So, first of all, I thought Cam only read romance novels. Crazy. Yeah. I guess she does read scientific books as well. Um, sex books. Also, <laughs> only sex books. Um, <laughs> also, uh, Booth, is this not, like, making you think that maybe you shouldn't have had the victim's father watching the interrogation? at all so where are we now we're in the main lab area now and we're really just talking about our b plot <laughs> they're not really they're just basically booth is just waiting around hodgins is like okay why are you here booth, he's really loitering booth is loitering that, yes he's loitering and he really just needs to talk to hodgins because he needs to tell him that cam's sister kissed him and Hodgins is loving this information. He is just laughing hysterically at him. He thinks it's absolutely hilarious. And he explains the situation. And Hodgins is like, well, you got to tell Cam. This is the funniest shit I've ever heard. And it's hilarious. And it's awful for you, but it's hilarious. And Booth basically is like, okay, you're not helping. Like, <laughs> this was not a good idea. I shouldn't have told you. But Hodgins reacts the same way that all of us are. Like, how are you going to tell Cam? Are you going to tell Cam? You know what? You just tell Cam. That's all you do. It's not a big deal. Yeah. They're grown Ripped ass, consenting adults. They're not even dating. It's not a big yes. deal. This scene was useless and dumb. Anyway, <laughs> it was, it was the only reason we need this scene is so that Booth can threaten to kill Hodgins by shooting him. Every yes. time, every time we have an episode, I think Booth has threatened to kill him or Zach or both of them every episode so far. So they have to have one of those scenes so what do we have now so we have booth interviewing christian reardon's father who i forget his first name do you know his first name i did know at one point okay. it's okay ron uh, he's interviewing something with an r regardless he's interviewing the out. father regardless he's interviewing the father and the father's adamant that he didn't kill aldridge He's a very practical and logical scientist. And despite the fact that Booth lays out a whole motive for him to have done this to Kyle Aldridge, Christian Reardon's father basically says, you haven't proven any of this. You haven't proven that Kyle Aldridge actually killed my daughter. So I would have no reason to kill him. Like he's very much, he's a scientist, wants proof. He's not going to move ahead on some theory. Yeah. Find out that Christian Reardon's father wrote the book on an anesthesiology and poisons which is very convenient and then booth asks him to roll up his sleeves because he's looking for a specific 
marks that would be on his arms from having hoisted Kyle Aldridge up into the rafters of the Gorgamon vault. But he has no markings on his arms when he pulls up his yeah. sleeve. So he's kind of eliminated. Yeah, we Thank kind of eliminated you. him he's completely. Eliminated as a suspect altogether based on that stuff. Ted is no longer a suspect. Mm-hmm. And we get to Cam and Hodgins chatting again back at back in the main exam area about how there's this sample of this 800 year old bronze and they're trying to figure out okay if it's not what we thought it was the obvious then what could it be what what could the murder weapon be and as they're looking into this he brings up to cam that angela accused him of being gormagon and cam agrees that on the surface he he does seem to be a good candidate to be to be gormagon but she doesn't think that Gormagon is involved in this in this death. And Hodgins is now agreeing with her. They think that he thinks that Gormagon is not involved. So how are we going to find the murder weapon? Could it be from a copper fragment? Perhaps a bronze weapon with a copper fragment? And so they obviously can't test every single thing. Fortunately, Angela comes in and says, I might be able to help narrow down one of these bronze weapons. Yes. Tell me more. After Kelly. they decide that Hodgins thinks it's too much of a task to test every bronze object in the Jeffersonian because it would take 200 years to do it. As you said, Angela saves the day and says, hey, maybe I can help you. So they all head to the Angelator. So she does a scenario of how um they anyway a lot of jibber jabber happens mm -hmm. jibber jabber happens where they try to figure out how this person died how did kristen die and it turns out that they think that she was impaled on something from behind like she was pushed and she landed on something that impaled her our friend Bancroft sneaks into the room behind everybody and starts theorizing on kristen's death tells them that Aldridge met with a federal prosecutor, which he thinks he did because he was going to confess. And this is news to everybody. This, I mean, obviously his theory is whatever. Everybody thinks that perhaps Kristen, or no, Bancroft was saying that Kristen perhaps threatened Aldridge, that he was going to tell his wife and he got upset and he pushed her and she fell into the thing, onto something that impaled her. But anyway, the only interesting thing is that he met with the federal prosecutor, which is, like I said, news to everybody. Yeah. And then Zach tells Bancroft that Aldridge, oh, that was it. Then who, oh, then uh, Ban uh, Aldridge felt guilty, so he killed himself, right? Yeah. Then Zach tells uh, Bancroft that Aldridge didn't kill himself. Then they have the discussion about how it was impossible to prove uh, that he was injected with this particular uh, anesthetic that was untraceable, undetectable. Yep. I really like this scene, even though I'm not crazy about the the Bancroft character. I'm more just disappointed that he doesn't come back. First of all, yeah, because I if think he's that to be he, so big. Well, I think that he could have been a good uh somebody it would be good to see him again you know because i think he did a really good job um 
but it sort of ends the scene with this idea where he sort of sinisterly tells Angela that she could be next on the list of victims because she's the one who found out all this information and she should watch out. And Angela feels quite threatened after this interaction with Bancroft, which means that we're now sort of casting some suspicion on Bancroft in this, at this point. By the end of the scene, I'm like, this guy did it. (laughs) This guy definitely did it. The way he's, the way he, he threatens Angela is insane. Yes, I agree with you though. I don't know. Yeah, at the end of the scene, I'm like, okay, Bancroft obviously did it. Poor Angela. Like the last thing she needs in her life right now is to be threatened by the guy who runs the entire organization. No, the last thing anybody needs, Angela needs to be threatened at all. And it was it was just it was so funny. It was like an old movie where they did this kind of like, ooh, could be that guy, you know? Yeah. Well, we get back to, so it's been, it's a little later in the day. Hodgins has gone through every single weapon, bronze weapon in the Jeffersonian that could match Angela's description of what she thinks that the the weapon could be. And it's none of them. Absolutely none of these weapons. So he's thinking that Booth is thinking that this must be a weapon that was smuggled in. But how could they smuggle anything in? They're like, no, the security here is fantastic. How the heck would you even get something in here? Oh, wait. If you mailed an artifact to the Jeffersonian, it doesn't go through the same rigorous process of like x-rays, metal detectors, etc., which is why I guess in the past they've received boxes where they open them and there's like a heart inside. Um, yeah. <laughs> you would think that they would have uh, increased security after things like that happen. Um, but basically you can. Yeah. Like you think they'd scan it. At least scan it. There's like no customs or security at all when you mail something into the Jeffersonian. So that is super creepy. So basically it goes directly to the authentications department, which ding, ding, ding. That was where Kristen Reardon was working. So we have a smuggler in our midst, it would seem. Right. Someone who is mailing artifacts to the Jeffersonian and then doing whatever they're going to do with them selling them or whatever so it doesn't look so good yes i'm skipping over some of the scientific details we don't care about we're getting i just think booth does a great job here as a detective as a person who's like in investigating here where he asks all the right questions and they figure out that oh it was sent through the mail then booth is excited because he figures wait a minute this is not about Gorgamon at all. This is a smuggling operation that was un uh, unmasked or revealed, and this is why this murder took place. Like something, someone found out about a smuggling ring. Exactly. So, because he finds out that everything's sent through the authentication department, 
<laughs> Ruth is like, oh my God, you guys are so like everything's going through uh, specific types, specific people like Clem Q, Tyler, Kristen, all the people that are very directly involved in this investigation are part of this sort of smuggling theory. So then they have to go look and see, because Brennan suggests that Kristen would have kept, the interns would have kept very accurate records of every package that came in and what was in it. So they go online on their the internal computer to look up all the Kristen's records. So Hodgins goes in with his password and he gets locked out. His access was denied. Brennan goes in with her password and her access is denied. And they're like, oh my God, they're completely flummoxed. Ruth goes up, puts in a password and he opens up the records. Turns out he's using Cam's password and he gets in no problem. And then while Hodgins is looking at Kristen's authentication records, Booth is teasing Brennan about how he knows her password. It's so funny. And he tells her it's Daffodil. He says, I know it's Daffodil. I know your password. <laughs> he's being really funny. At the end of this scene, it's very sweet. The, he yeah. he walks off. He's like walking away. And she's like, oh my God, I need to change my password. He's like, well... Like, don't change your password to something that, um, oh, you know, like Daisy. She's like, God damn it. Like, that, yeah, that's what I was going to do. Is it's her second favorite flower. Um, and he's like, why don't you try something like that? I wouldn't be able to guess like a planet. And she's like, oh, okay. Like being all secretive, typing it in. He's like, Jupiter. She's like, ah, <laughs> he just knows her so well and it's nice to see that i didn't think about it's the fact so that cute. you you pointed that out that they're looking at the really this episode really showcases his relationships with with each of these characters yeah. i didn't think about that until you pointed it out so mm. i appreciate you bringing that up well i never really thought of it till we sat down to talk about it because i thought isn't it interesting like how well he knows everybody like it's just his his he's i don't know he's like he's he almost the glue cam, cam and brendan and the way he interacts with hodgins even and then i don't know it's just and then with bancroft it's i know the relationship with bancroft isn't like a positive one but it's still yeah. like he just knows what's going on he's very at home at the jeffersonian he's feels very comfortable there you know exactly and uh yeah, he's about to feel a little bit less at home uh, with Cam. Uh, Cam's sister comes by, and before that happens, uh, Cam and Booth have a little chat, and and Booth brings up that uh, Felicia had straight on try to make out with with him, and um, yeah, he didn't really push her away. He may have parted a lips parted lips for a a moment, and. Cam, once Felicia gets there, Cam is like, "Hi. Um, how can well, you make Felicia me move my shows up. This is her sister showing up to go out for lunch. I'm like, does this happen yeah. all the time? No, because we've never met this person before. Literally and also, Brittany, I will also correct you. We never see this person again. Seriously, no, we do. We do. When? When? In the very last episode of the show. <laughs> it doesn't say that in her IMDb credits. Oh really? On yeah. on the on her profile, on her fandom profile or whatever, it says that she's also in the last episode. 
Are you looking at the Bones wiki? Yeah. Okay. I was looking at the Bones wiki. So maybe she wasn't, okay. maybe she didn't receive any credit for it. Maybe it's super short. That's ridiculous. It's one thing for the boss not to be there, but it's another thing for like a sister that just happens to stop by for lunch to never also, show up ever again. Hashtag where's Russ? Do we ever see Russ again? <laughs> hashtag where's Russ? Hashtag where's, where's sweets? Is he on vacation? How's he doing? Well, they're not There's only in four anymore. episodes. <laughs> I guess so. Okay, so okay. yeah, the this interaction, Cam and Felicia, just are typical sisters. They're fighting, fighting, like bickering, but also like uniting against Booth. Like, don't talk yeah, to I, her that way. Okay, yeah, let's go. <laughs> like, Booth is like, how could you have lunch after I this know. interaction? And they're both like, oh, as if you can ruin a meal. Give me a break. Like, what did he do that you that you guys broke up? I love, <laughs> I love how they're fighting about something that when Felicia was five years old. Like, I just love that they're yeah. bringing up things from when they were <laughs> really young. sisters. <laughs> and then the minute that Booth interjects, they tell him to take a hike. And they're like, united. I don't just think it's adorable. It's so cute. I, I love it. Mm it's very it's a little bit of a toxic relationship but it's quite funny so okay we have found the murder weapon perhaps zach determines that he's looking at a statue of an antelope no an oryx brennan thinks it might be an antelope it's a horned animal it's on the screen and so that's the exact perfect angle that Kristen Reardon would have been impaled on. So we just need to find the sculpture, see if there's any DNA evidence. Easy peasy, except it's not at the Jeffersonian, so that's going to be a problem. Okay, so this is what I love about this director. Because as we don't know that it's not at the Jeffersonian until we transition into the next scene where Cam is walking down the hallway with Bancroft, keeping him abreast of the whole situation, saying it's actually not here. It's been mailed to this post office box. Booth and Brennan are camped out, like waiting to see who picks it up. And then Bancroft kind of walks away after having this interaction with Cam. Cam gets on the phone with Booth and Brennan and says, okay, I told him where the artifact is. And he looked really yeah. upset. Like he looked visibly upset. And so this is when I find out that they're looking at Bancroft as a suspect. Yep. Because Booth and Brennan are sitting outside this post office waiting for someone to come pick up the artifact. And they start, uh, Booth starts wanting to play the theorizing game with Brennan in the car to figure out like, okay, let's see if Bancroft shows up to pick up this artifact. Do you think it's him? Like, who do you think it is? So they start playing this game, even though Brennan doesn't really want to play. She's not good at playing the yeah. game. She takes it way <laughs> too seriously. You got to be loosey goosey. And I just think it's interesting that they think it's Bancroft. So they're waiting at the postal station 
The music is creepy. Again, the music is so good in this episode. I can't say it enough. It's so I have good. To go back. That moment where they transition, like I said, from the lab to Cam and Bancroft walking, I, I like the way they they give you details without constantly telling you. Like they're showing like these transitions are fantastic. Regardless, Brendan says Bancroft is a has a doctorate and is unlikely the murderer. And then Booth says this thing. Because he has he a says, PhD. <laughs> then Booth says, Dr. Kevorkian has a doctorate. So my question is, is he implying that Dr. Kevorkian is a murderer? Perhaps. Okay. Okay. He is. You know who, do you know who Dr. Kevorkian is? Pathologist and euthanasia proponent. Do you know who Dr. Kevorkian is? Upon Googling his Wikipedia page, yes. Oh, you didn't know who he was. <laughs> Brittany, he is so famous for being the, the huge advocate of, of euthanizing like people, like when yeah, they want to die. Suicide. Assisted yeah. suicide. Now it's like, you actually have the option, you know, if yeah. once they review your situation. But he was a person who they were always trying to put him on trial for murder and, and stuff like that way back in the day. I can't believe we haven't heard of this guy. He's famous, famous, famous. Apparently I live under a rock. There's a lot of things we talk about that I'm like, oh, I did not know about this. Yes. I only know about accounting and tax. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's pretty good. Um. Well, you know who else has a doctorate? Dr. Oh. Klimke. And he's uh, heading right into the post office right now. Looks like a smuggler to me. Also, let's take a moment to appreciate that maybe the reason that Bancroft hasn't come back is because he's in jail. Because he clearly gave up the details to Klimke about where to find this package so there's it there's more than one layer Klim Q is involved but he's not doing it on his own sorry who told him where the package was I think Bancroft did because Bancroft was like Cam even says that oh he wasn't happy when I said the FBI already knew where the package was you were right what does that mean, Brittany? It means that he told Dr. Klimke where to find Why? the package. Why? That he would have to go because they wanted they wanted to go and grab it. Are you saying Bancroft is involved with smuggling? I think so. But they never said that in the show. I think they did. Because did they? they I think so, because Cam oh. tells him these exact tells him exactly these details. It, the Oryx was mailed to Box 99, Poplar Street Post Office in Arlington. And he's supposed to, she was supposed to tell him that. Cam says in the next scene, I told yeah, I him you were right. He wasn't happy when I said the FBI already knew where it was. So they're like, okay, wow. he's either part of it or he's just covering for this guy. But because wow. Clem Q shows up, he definitely for sure is part of it. Okay. That was just, my interpretation. This was lost of the, on me. So my questions. question is 
I'm confused by this. And I know at the end of the day, let's just like go to the fast forward. Sure. Clem Q shows up. Yes. Uh, he's obviously the guy they suspect of killing everybody. He goes, to, we go to the interrogation room. We have Booth and Brennan interrogating Clem Q. The music is amazing. Clem Q tries to deflect, but it, event, it is eventually revealed that Clem Q is covered in rope burns. So he obviously killed uh, Aldridge. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm assuming he's suspected of killing Kristen because she discovered yeah. the smuggling thing. Um, I am very confused by your theory that Bancroft is also involved with the smuggling because I don't, I don't remember anything being discussed about Bancroft. Um, actually, how did the artifact get to the post office box? I, I don't know how the, I, that's a good question. I don't know how they know that it's at the post office. That is a, a loop because that's a good point. If they knew it was at the post office and knew someone was going to pick it up, but didn't know, but didn't plant it there. It's only if it's being planted that it would be like, yeah, oh, we that's got, why. We got I, you. So how did they find out where it was being mailed? And doesn't Klim Q know that because he mailed it there? It could be. From the authentication department. After he the, killed... From the logs. Probably from the logs. Because they would say, oh, we authenticated it. And then they would mail it back out, I guess. Wow. But I don't think Bancroft is involved in the smuggling thing at all. That's no. my, my belief. Okay. Yeah. I stick... I'm sticking by it. I think he's involved. Right. And that's why we never see him again, because he's in jail now forever and ever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we will agree to disagree. Um, yeah, Clem Q asked them, asked Booth and Brennan, do you guys know a good lawyer by any chance? <laughs> yeah. Because he not only is, a, he's not only, obviously, he's been found out about the smuggling ring. He even admits it. It's obvious because he has these rope burns that he killed Aldridge. It's very likely, as you mentioned, that he killed Kristen. These are three major crimes. This guy yeah. needs a serious lawyer because he's going to be in jail for the rest of his life. Yeah, pretty so, much. Probably shouldn't have gone he to PhD. He killed a guy, no point. hung him from the rafters, killed a guy with an anesthetic that you can't detect... Hung him from the rafters? Like, that's fucking crazy, man. But, like, not only an anesthetic that you can't detect, but it's almost like he... he it, th This was definitely premeditated because he specifically chose that anesthetic because it would be connected to the victim's father. This guy is nutso. Anyway, yeah. we, end the, we end this episode with a really beautiful actually very cute in my opinion scene with booth and brennan who were just having drinks after uh work like two adorable colleagues playing a little game and booth kind of says like hey yeah i know you really well i know about your daffodil i know about your daisy i knew about jupiter i know all the mm -hmm. things and all about you i love you sorry I, oh wait that's another scene <laughs> Brittany. <laughs> I just really Look want them this. to get together. I'm just really I know you hoping do, but it's you happening. gotta wait. 
so next they're sitting there getting drunk on scotch they're taking shots and they're being funny because they're drinking the the scotch out of dixie cups which is really funny and they like keep smashing every cup they smash it like every time they take a shot it's really cute because booth knows that brennan feels she at the end of the day it's determined that she feels betrayed because someone under the you know in the jeffersonian organization committed these crimes and she feels betrayed and she asks yeah. booth directly if he's going to betray her and this is like i don't know where that came from it seems like a after four or five shots of scotch kind of question i guess so she said well, there are multiple gonna... shots in yeah i know <laughs> ask him if she, he's going to betray her and he quickly says no yeah and then they just proceed to get drunk together i guess it was really fun and i love that booth keeps calling gorgamon gorgonzola i think it's really funny I think it's hilarious what's wayne doing <laughs> now i see you looking at your just, phone yeah i was just checking he's moving around He's going to be up tonight, I think. Oh, that's fine. I'll live. That's the end of our episode. That's the end of our episode. So quickly, oh. what did you think? I love this episode. I really love it. I think it's really cute. It's very funny. It's insane. Like if you actually explain what happens in this episode, which we kind of just went through without bringing up these comedic moments, it's like shocking. But they do a really good job making it very light and very sweet i really liked it how about you i uh ditto it's you know how i feel about it i texted you about it when i was watching it i loved it i loved it the music the direction it was so good it was so good i i loved it i just it's my favorite one of the season it's just so fun and very like thriller suspense like noir it's it's a throwback to an old mystery like a an old mystery uh movie you know yeah very hitchcock very much like a hitchcock movie i loved it i just can't i want to talk to the director i really do i want to know if he was doing something because that that handcuff shot that is a very hitchcock kind of shot it reminds me of there's a couple of movies that he did maybe uh was it rear window and there's another one i'll have to look it up but i just wow if i can find it online the shot i'm thinking of i'll throw it up on our uh socials because i i just thought it was so brilliant so well done love jeff congrats maybe i know you can't hear me you can't hear me clapping, but I'm clapping. <laughs> amazing, clapping, amazing. clapping, clapping, clapping. Maybe we clapping. can get Jeff Woolno, Woolnuff, Woolno, the director of this episode. Maybe we could get him on our podcast. Well, he did direct some episodes of The Expanse that my friend Nancy did. She was a Ooh. costume woman on that, so she probably knows the guy. She probably knows And him. I might be able to get uh, some contacts there for sure, because I'm curious about a few things but i a lot of the shows he's done in the past like i i know the shows that he directed so i just thought he did such a fantastic job with this episode and the writing like i said great writing uh obviously very familiar with the characters but the more important question for you Brittany, is who is your king of the lab today well hodgins thinks it's him 
Um, I have two. Who's your king of the map? The so I have two. Number one, Booth, because he just he just absolutely stood out in this episode. I thought he was great. He was funny. He was really a star by taking by going to Cam's sixtieth, Cam's dad's sixtieth birthday party. Um, he is one of the only people. Him and Cam are the two people who really kept a level head and actually didn't just assume that this was Gormagon, despite things sort of pointing a little bit that way. He was able to kind of keep that level headedness. Um. Okay, but so, yeah, he's king of the lab, whatever. But the second king of the lab is the guy I thought whose name was Neil Tyler, Tyler Neville. Because he just, I appreciate that unlike all these other gossips, he just kept himself. He just came in. He worked his hours. He's working right beside this dead woman's purse. He doesn't say anything. He's just minding his own business, doing his work. Anyway. I hope that I he love got Tyler Neville too. I love that he's gay. And I wished it's unfortunate he doesn't come back because he would have been such a great character to see again. Don't you think? I agree. Like to I have like him. an op- an openly gay character on Bones in the early 2000s, it would have been awesome. That would have been pretty groundbreaking, I think. Because at the oh, time, yeah. Yeah, television was not as progressive as it could have been. Well, who's your lab rat? Who your, I want to know who your king of the lab is. No, I want to know who your lab rat is. My lab rat? Yeah. I write down a lab rat. That's why I'm trying to avoid the question. Let me think. Oh, obviously Bancroft. That guy's the worst. Although, mm, close second, Aldridge. Also the worst. Equal worst. How about you? Lab rat, king of the lab. I'm with you, Booth, number one. Okay. 100% Booth. He's like the main guy. He's, like you said, the glue that keeps them all together. He's the reason for the season. He's definitely winning in this particular episode. He's so silly with Cam. He's so silly. Silly with Hodgins about the kissing Felicia thing. And just how comfortable he is and confident in the space of the Jeffersonian. Because, I mean, it wasn't yeah. that long ago that they had a whole thing with dr gordon gordon about why they he might not be comfortable at the jeffersonian um being there because it's like out out of his comfort zone yeah now i feel like he's really part of the team and he's totally in it it and i just he does a great (laughs) job i know despite all of his uh, efforts not to be (laughs) who's your lab rat the lab rat did you already say I did. It's definitely either oh, Bancroft, sorry, you said Bancroft. Or, or Dr. Aldridge. The I just the both of those characters, I just did not like them. Okay, mine goes in a different direction because I think the guy who played Bancroft and the guy who played Aldridge, they were both having a great time. I thought they did a wonderful job as those characters. Oh yeah. The actors did like, a fantastic Aldridge job. Aldridge was I just thought Aldridge was having, eating, like eating the scenes. Every time he was in it, he was just like, I am so sinister and like nasty. I thought he was great. He was great. <laughs> he was great. Um, the actor was fantastic. Honestly, the acting was fantastic. I only disliked them because they did such a good job. Yes. I thought. So who's your lab rat? Though? My, 
I'm giving it to Felicia because <laughs> although she's having a good time, the actress, I felt like this character was useless. She was part of a subplot that was dumb. I thought she was a little too thirsty. She was a little bit cry hard and like sticking her tongue down Booth's throat, like within seconds of seeing him at the thought of her sister's relationship falling apart. I was like, nice, uh, like, like really bad form in terms of sisterly, like girl, girl code, you know? Especially since Booth and her know each other. I, yeah. And if, <laughs> If Cam is 35, how old is Felicia? Oh my god. Like and what is what is what's Booth like 35? 10, 15 years older than her? Like, come on. Yeah, it was much. You're totally right. Oh, no, I'm still sticking with Aldred and Bancroft, but yeah, no, she was too thirsty. You're probably right, on... but I thought she was a bit thirsty. Too hot to handle. That show, too hot I'll to be handle. Honest. She could be on that. I'll be honest, there were no rats, really. It was hard to yeah. pick a rat. I just picked Felicia because of how thirsty she was and how dumb the whole subplot was. So, Well, if she doesn't come back, then bye, Felicia. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, shall we say goodbye to everybody? I want to thank everyone for joining us. Check us out on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on YouTube. I will, as soon as I can, work on some content for you guys. You'll be eating up so much Squintcast content, you won't know what to do with yourselves. But just keep in mind, we do this out of the goodness of our hearts. We do this in our free time, and we're hoping that you're enjoying the, the show as much as we are. So I want to thank you again for joining us uh, on this episode of Squintcast. Squintcast. <laughs> Bye! <laughs> thank you for listening to squintcast with me kelly booth and my and your new friend Brittany elsner the bones theme is performed by the crystal method they can be found on instagram and youtube at the crystal method and at thecrystalmethod.com intro and outro music is by twisterium at pixabay cover art was done by irena dolance stagen you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Squintcast. Email us at squintcastpodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at fab underscore empire underscore on Instagram and TikTok. Brittany is at Brittany81523 on Instagram. See you next time. Hodgins! <laughs>